we're in our series called What Matters Most. What Matters Most to God. And this is going to be the last message in this series. And we've been talking a lot about legacy and defining legacy as living a life that goes beyond the space and time that I occupy. Legacy is about what happens outside of my immediate circle, what lives on after me, and specifically what I sow into God's kingdom that lives on after me. Because the things, I'll get into this in just a moment, I mention this a lot, the things that originate with us as people, they decay, they die, they fade away. But the things that originate with God last forever. And so when we're talking about legacy, it's really important for us to remember that where we're sowing really makes a difference. What we're sowing makes a difference as well, but where we're planting it makes a difference. Are we planting it into the natural or are we planting it in the spirit? Are we sowing into our own kingdom or are we sowing into his? That makes the biggest difference. If we really want a legacy, if we want something that lives beyond us, we actually kind of have to stop thinking about us and start thinking about, well, what does the Lord want me to do? And where does he want me to sow it? Because when we do that, then the things that he moves us to do will have eternal consequences and, that's, and, and internal impact. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about shifting our perspective. Um, if you uh, have the message notes, if you've got the, your U version, you can scan your QR code and you can follow along in the message notes and see how many things I forget to say, because it'll be right there. Uh, but the ultimate purpose of our lives, we talk about this in, in the group that I, that I lead the way on Zoom, and it's just some foundational principles of following Jesus in one chapel. One of the things we talk about with purpose is that the main purpose of our lives isn't about us. Our purpose, given by God, is to make a difference in the lives of others. That's why I'm here. That's why he saved me. That's why he redeemed me and showed me who who I am in him, not so that I could be puffed up in, and how cool it is to be his child for my own purposes, but so that I could make a difference in someone else's life who does not yet know him or doesn't yet know him in the degree that he wants them to, right? So, uh, so what we're talking about today is shifting our perspective from the natural to the supernatural, from the temporal to the eternal, and so often we talk about like this life and the next life as though they're two separate things. They are one thing. This life that I'm living, this, this phase of existence that I'm in right now where I've got this body and, I've, and I'm living on this earth and you know, I'm doing the things that I'm doing in the natural, this is a part of my eternity. We look at them as being two separate things. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do some things here and then... I'm going to do a hard reset, and I'm going to, after I pass on, it's going to be a whole new life. It's a part of this life. And one affects the other. Uh, so as we're, as we're getting into this, we're going to start in 1 Timothy, verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. This is Paul getting pretty stern, right? It's, it's just like Paul to be a little bit stern. And he's commanding Timothy in what he should command the church that Timothy is leading. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 
In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There's a lot in there. Several messages that we could share just on breaking down that passage of scripture. Uh, But I want to start by picking out a few of these phrases. Paul writes to Timothy, command those who are rich. We should all know that when he's saying command those who are rich, he's talking about us. There are a lot of ways to be wealthy. Money is just one. You can, be, you can be rich in your health. You can be rich in your relationships. You can be rich in, in your walk with God. There are a lot of ways to be rich. All of us in here are experiencing at least one of those. He has made us rich. Just by knowing him, we are rich. Our lives are rich. We have something of abundance to offer just by being in relationship with the Father. So when he says, command those who are rich, we need to take note because he's talking about us. That's thing one. Uh, There are a lot of ways to be wealthy, and we're probably walking in at least one of them right now. And he says, command those who are rich not to be arrogant or to put their hope in their wealth. And I think this uh, this is an important reminder to us. We get so focused on what is physically happening in front of us, the things that we've accrued. We get comfortable in our riches, whether it's finances or career or relationships, we, we get comfortable in surrounding ourselves with the things that make us feel satisfied. But he's saying that it, it's arrogance, number one, to, to feel that all of the things that you've accrued are because of you. That's arrogance. We have what we have. Scripture says, apart from you, I can do nothing. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Without you, I am nothing, right? That scripture is not, not mincing words on how much we need God for everything. And so if we have some success, if we have some wealth in any of those areas, it's not because of our own efforts. It's because of what he's provided for us. It's because of the doors that he opened that we got to walk through. It's because of the ideas he gave us that we decided to listen to him on and start to carry out. It's because of him. So not only can we not put our trust in our success or in what we've accumulated, but we also can't fall into pride and assume that all those things we've accumulated are because of us. Verse 17, he mentions this. It's God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's another great point, by the way. He richly provides us with things. It's okay to have things. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy the things he's given. Now, part of that is being able to use things that he's given for our own benefit, but a huge part of that is being able to use the things that he's given to bless someone else, right? It's, it's both. It's both. So the things that Paul is sharing with Timothy, he's commanding him, uh, he's commanding him to tell the church, do good and be rich in good deeds, which means if you're going to gain some wealth... Try to look at it this way. Try to make the good deeds you're doing the wealth that you are accumulating. Be wealthy in the things that you do for others. Let that be your riches, right? And then he he also is commanding, be generous. Be willing to share. So do good for others. Be generous and be willing to share. Paul is clearly not a Darwinist, right? (laughs) Because in the natural world, if we're just talking about survival of the species, 
This is the worst advice he could give anyone, right? So do good, be generous, share what you have. Just empirically speaking, natural world thinking is, well, if I share what I have, then I don't have it anymore. And I might need that. If I do good for someone else, it might be that I'm actually making my situation a little bit worse or harder on me. And that's not any good. Um, this doesn't make any sense, Paul. But what he's demanding of us with these commands is a shift in our perspective. We have to remember, we don't belong here. This is not our home. This is our temporary residence. But we don't belong here. And the rules that govern our lives as children of God, we're no longer slaves to fear. That's, a, that's something that governs people who don't know the Lord. They become slaves to fear slaves to the consequences of the natural world. Jesus has rescued us from that. Our rules are different. And so the commands that he's giving us are teaching us and encouraging us to go outside of natural perspective and into eternal perspective. This is where our perspective shift comes into play. If our perspective on our own lives is limited to this natural world, then our lives are limited to this natural world. And everything that we do and everything that we experience, we experience only within the context of everything that is fading away and dying. He's asked us to lift our eyes and to see beyond the natural. Now, when we can't do that, we come up with different philosophies that sort of explain away <laughs> all explain away a lot of our motivation, you know, a lot of our lack of motivation. Two prominent philosophies I wanted to get into. I did a deep dive on this. I'm not going to bore you with philosophies. I'm going to bore you with two philosophies. Uh, so existentialism. Right? Existentialism is, this, is, is the belief that life is absurd. It doesn't make sense. It's just an accidental thing that we all happen to be here. And because it's all accidental, because there was no purpose behind it, Everything is meaningless. Nothing really has any meaning. If you ever get into a conversation with someone who's a really hardcore existentialist, it's very frustrating because nothing matters. So there are no rules. So why do anything? Why do this? I'm going to do what I want. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. Uh, and it, and it's, it's a philosophy that, that explains... It's a philosophy that... that uh, what am I trying to say? It's a philosophy that sort of encourages laziness and disinterest and apathy. Nothing matters. So why do I have to do anything? Now, if you get really hardcore, you go from existentialism to being an existential nihilist. And that is the belief that life itself has no inherent purpose. And so it's meaningless. Life is meaningless. What a fun way to go through life. None of this means anything, and then you die. That's terrible. What an awful thing. But because those are prevalent world philosophies, they undercut, and they undercut society. They undercut having real values. They undercut morality. They, they, they label everything as just a false construct that we made up. God is calling for us to look beyond the natural, where people are telling us, no, none of this matters. All of it's meaningless. And look to a life or a phase of life that's beyond this life. 
when we meet Jesus and he opens up our eyes, we realize, oh, we're actually playing a long game here. We're playing a long game, and this sets up that. Paul's reminding us of what Scripture reveals, and, this, and he's reminding us of what Jesus made available to us through his life and his death and his resurrection, and that is eternity in heaven. Now, we understand there's an eternity for everyone, and when we follow Jesus, there's an eternity for us in heaven. No matter what, we are all going to experience a continuation of this life on a different plane of existence, and it is going to last forever. We can't even conceptualize what forever means. You've been in lines at the DMV. That's close. That's close. But imagine that forever, right? Forever feels like a long time. Now, when you're spending forever in the presence of God and you're spending forever with Jesus and you're spending forever with the same people that you see here, but it's in the absence of all of the, the decay. It's in the absence of all of the decay and all of the hardship and all of the pain and all of the suffering. When it's in the absence of all of that and it's, it's only glory with all of you, I want to be there. I want to be there with all of you. And that's what Paul is asking us to lift our eyes to. In verses 17 and 19, he mentions the phrase, in this present world and for the coming age, which means there's more than just this present world, and there's more than just this age. Like if you really want to have your summer beach body, you don't start in the summer, like I do. You start in the winter. Summer bodies are built in the winter. An eternity in heaven where we've laid up treasures is built in this life. Right? We're, we're, we're playing now for what's coming. Um, Paul encourages Timothy to speak about taking hold of the life that is truly life. And this reminds me of what Jesus said in, in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and you may have life more abundantly. And he was talking about an abundant life in this natural experience, but he was also talking about an abundant life eternally. He was talking about a life that extends beyond and that is filled with glory and that is filled with, with beauty and majesty. And honestly, it's where we're going to spend the majority of our time. I know it feels sometimes like this life is going on for a really long time, but when we get to forever, that's the majority of our existence. That's the majority of our life. And too often, we let our perspective arrow who we are and narrow what God has created us to be to this really small part of our life at the expense of forever. He's asking us to have an eternal perspective. It can be scary to think that natural life ends, right? I don't wanna, if you wanna bring down a conversation at a dinner party, start talking about death. That'll do it. it. Nobody wants to think about that because we enjoy this life or we fear not being alive. We're unsure about what comes next. But Jesus knew that. And when he was talking with the disciples, he said in John 14, 1 through 4, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, so believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 
you know the way to the place where I am going. And they ask him, how can we know the way? And he says, I'm the way. You know me. You know the way to the place I'm going. And I'm going to prepare something for you. And I want you to be there with me where I am. We're going to see he comes back to that in just a minute. So this phase of our life is going to end. And what I, what I love about the opportunity to sow into something, like with our, with our tithes and offerings, sowing into the kingdom, with our legacy offerings, sowing into the kingdom, uh, with our relationships and our groups, sowing into the eternal and one another, what, what I love about that is that it's almost, it's, it's almost a defiance against fear that this life ends. We are sowing into something that is beyond this life. We're sowing into one another. We're sowing into the kingdom in an expectation that, yeah, it, once I pass, pass away, it's not over. It goes on. And I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking ahead to what's going to be going on in that plane of existence. So this phase of our life ends, but what happens in this phase impacts what happens in our next phase, or to quote Maximus Decimus Meridius. From Gladiator, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And if you haven't seen Gladiator, you totally should today. You should read it, check it out. Um, yeah, Commodus is terrible, but that line is awesome. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And Jesus and Paul both talk about the impact that our earthly life has on our eternal life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. What we do here echoes in eternity. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 27, for the son of man is going to come into his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Revelation 22:12. 12. This was such an important thing that it's the last thing in the Bible. Revelation 22:12. 12. I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. What we do in this life echoes in eternity, and it doesn't escape the notice of our Father. It doesn't escape the notice of Jesus, our Savior. And when he comes, he's prepared a place for us that is reflective of what we've allowed him to sow into this world through us. But too often we live our lives with an immediate perspective. And we live in response to our situation at hand rather than with that eternal perspective. So I want to share really quickly here three perspective shifts for this life. Three things, because they say hindsight's twenty twenty, So it's really helpful if you can project yourself ahead to the end of this life and look back and take stock and think, okay, did Jesus do through me everything that, I, that he said he was going to do? Did I allow him to work in my life the way that he wanted me to? Sometimes we don't see it if we're here looking forward, but if we can imagine being there and looking back, hindsight's 2020, it will reveal some things. And so here's some perspective shifts for this life. Number one, this life is part of my journey, but it's not my destination. This life is an important part of my journey. This is a learning ground. This is a proving ground. This is an opportunity for me to grow. It's an opportunity for me to reveal Jesus' heart in the middle of some circumstances that just honestly aren't always conducive to revealing Jesus' heart. It's, it's my opportunity to really test and to level up. But it's not my destination. 
It's not my destination. Uh, I, I'm always quoting Switchfoot. I'm sorry. There's a song called The Beautiful Letdown where, they, where John Foreman writes, I don't belong here, but I'm going to carry a cross and a song where I don't belong. This isn't my destination. All of this is temporary. And it's uh, Philippians 3, 18 through 20. This is a self-corrective thought. For as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this whole, this is my journey, but not my destination, also Scripture gives us a comforting thought if you're not walking at this moment in what you feel like is the realization of that destination. Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16 says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God is looking for us to be people who are living here with our eyes set there. Living here, looking there. So perspective shift number two. This life on earth is short. I mean, it can feel like it's lasting forever if you're at the DMV or if you're in high school or whatever, it can feel like, man, this is way too long. I'm ready for this season to end. But it's, it's short. Scripture tells us again and again and again, this life is short. James 4.14 says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The amazing prophet Ferris Bueller said it this way. He said, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Psalm 90, verse 12, says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. I'm going to repeat this once again. What originates with us decays. It fades. It dies. What originates in God lasts forever. And so he's asking us to get an eternal perspective and live like we know we're going to live forever, and like what happens here impacts that life. Third perspective shifting thought. This life is a series of opportunities. We talk about this constantly at this campus. Talk about this constantly at this church, that this phase of our life is full of opportunities to reveal Jesus. Every person you come in contact with is an opportunity to reveal heaven an opportunity to reveal the love of the Father, an opportunity to open up a door for someone to walk one more step into his presence. Every interaction, every person is an opportunity for God to do something. Right? This life is not so much about realization of everything. It's about preparation for what will eventually be realized. The actions that Paul encouraged... Do good, be rich in good deeds, give, share. Those things don't make any sense if you're talking about natural selection, but they make 
amazing sense if you're talking about revealing Jesus and opening people's eyes up to an eternal perspective, that there's more than just here. Because when we're just thinking about just here, we hold to ourselves. We withhold from people. We close off. We slam doors because we want to protect our own. When we're thinking about eternity, we can freely give. Freely give because this is just a small piece of that. This is just a small piece. I can, I can absolutely share. And every interaction being an opportunity to reveal Jesus means that we can help fill up heaven with what God treasures most, which is his children. Why is it so important that every interaction is an opportunity to reveal Jesus? It's important because God loves them and wants them to be with him where he is in the same way that he wants us to be with him where he is. Some people won't receive him on their own. They need to be shown his heart. They need to be shown who he is through who you are. And they need, they need to be, it needs to be put on display for them how much God loves them, how much he treasures them. And when you awaken to that, you take a step into the kingdom. And we begin to fill up heaven with the treasure that is on God's heart, which is all of his children, all of us. John 1, 14. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. When we embody the nature and the heart of Jesus here on earth, it helps to fill heaven. When we become the word, as Jesus did. It helps to fill heaven with what he values most. That is his kids. So as we're talking about eternal perspective, I just wanna, um, I think it's probably appropriate to close with words that Jesus said. I don't think you can go wrong in church doing that. So let's close with Jesus. He's somewhat of an expert in that. John 17, 20 through 24. Jesus said, I'm not asking on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I also have given to them, so that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and you love them just as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. Remember he mentioned that in John, John 4? He said, I'm preparing a place because I want you to be with me where I am. His heart hasn't changed. He said, that they would be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you've given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. This is Jesus' final prayer. This is his heart as he's preparing to leave this earth in a physical body. This is what he's after, and it is an eternal perspective. He says, I'm not just praying for these people that you sent me that I've been walking with. I'm not just praying for my immediate circle of friends. I am praying for them, but also my heart is investing in them for the people that I didn't get to meet while I was here. That they would be one, as you and I are one. He's talking about, he's talking about 
eternity. He's, he's approaching this life with an eternal perspective. God, help me to minister to these people that you sent me, that you put in my path. But help me to minister to them and to, and to show them your love so that they can pass it on to people that I'm not going to get to meet. That's eternal perspective. He's, he's praying in reference to a current time, but he's also praying with an eye that's looking to a time and to a people that are yet to come. He was praying this prayer thinking of us. He was praying this prayer thinking of the people who your life is going to touch. He was praying this prayer with eternity in mind, yours and mine. 